The following story has been brought to you by storiestoinspire.org. So about 36 years ago, I got a call from a woman who had heard about Chabad, and she requested an appointment to speak to me about a problem in her life. <laughs> Just going off on a tangent here, I still recall the early days. I started as a rabbi quite early. I was out here when I was 20 years old. I was ordained when I was 21 years old. And the first few years when people would make an appointment to see me, when they would walk in, they would all start off with the same line. And the line was, I have an appointment with your father. Is he in? <laughs> uh, very few uh, thought that kid was the rabbi that they made the appointment with. Anyway, this woman was no different. She walked in. She asked if my father was in. I said, my father at that time was Baruch Hashem alive in Brooklyn, New York. But you have an appointment with me. You're the rabbi? You look so young. <laughs> anyway, what was her problem? She had a daughter. Her daughter's name was Hope. And Hope had converted to Christianity, and she joined the church. She married someone she met in church. She became very active in the church. She joined the choir of the church. And no one has been able to even have a conversation with her daughter to come back to Judaism. And so she heard there was this new rabbi in town, young rabbi, so maybe you want to give it a shot. So I took the phone number, and I called Hope. Hi, my name is Mo Shabrisky. I met your mom. She wanted me to reach out to you. Perhaps we can get together. Perhaps we can talk. And she said, no. <laughs> that was it. No, I have absolutely no interest. No interest in talking to you. No interest in getting together. No interest in looking into any Jewish practices, anything of the sort. Okay, well, I didn't succeed there. A few years later, I get a phone call. She says, is this Rabbi Brisky? I say, yes, it is. She said, my name is Hope. Now, Hope is, is a unique name. It's a special name, right? You don't forget it. So I right away said, Hope, I remember you because I, I never forgot it. And she said, you offered me a few years ago the opportunity to get together and talk. Can we do that now? And I said, sure. And she said, is it okay if my husband comes along? And I said, of course. So we met at the then Chabad house in Westlake Village, 741 Lakefield Road, suite number E. That's where we started off this journey of Chabad in the Canal Valley. And she told me why she was there and why she wanted to talk. Unfortunately, Hope was diagnosed with cancer. And she spent many weeks in the hospital, thinking, praying, talking to God, thinking about her life, her choices, her journey. And suddenly, she felt very uneasy. Something felt wrong. Maybe I never gave Judaism a chance. Something about it just made her uneasy at that particular time in her life. Maybe she never studied Judaism. So she started reading a lot. And then she met with her minister, and she asked him some, some difficult questions. And then she remembered that years earlier, someone from Chabad had called her and wanted to talk. So she looked up Chabad of Westlake, and here I am. I want to talk. And I want my husband, who's definitely not Jewish, to be part of this conversation. So I asked her, where did it all start? Where did this journey that took you into Christianity, how did it begin? Why did you join the church? Why did you run away from Judaism? And she told me that she actually went to a Hebrew school, that her parents enrolled her in their, in their Hebrew school. And she was very spiritual by nature. And as a kid, she would ask questions. She always asked questions. She remembers asking her teacher about God, about heaven, 
about Messiah. And not only was she not answered, but she was ridiculed as being a fanatic. She was ridiculed not just by her fellow students, but by her teacher herself. And this disturbed her. This bothered her. She wanted a religion that actually believed in something, that believed that when you're praying, you're actually talking to a God, and that there is a God, and that God hears your prayers, and there is a heaven, and there are commandments, religion, something, a faith, that God communicated some way of life for us. That's what she wanted. And she was mocked for simply asking the questions. When she was 15 years old, a friend from public school mentioned that she goes to religious classes at a local church. And they talk about all these things there. And when they pray, they really feel they're praying and they're talking to God. So she invited her to join for one week. Just come to class and see if you like it. And she went. And as Hope tells me, I loved it. It was fascinating. It was heavy. It was focused on God. They spoke about heaven. They spoke about a Messiah. They spoke about prayer. Subjects that in her life were simply shoved under the rug of don't be a fanatic. Subjects that were shunned or denied. And so the next week she went back and the next, never telling her parents that she was just hanging out with her friends, but she was really going to Christian religious study group on Sundays. And she continued this for months, and then for years. And then when she was old enough, she moved out of her home. She moved to Long Beach. She joined a church. She joined the choir. She met someone else in the choir. They dated. They fell in love. They got married. And here he is, my husband. And the rest is history. So we spend hours talking about Judaism. Yes, there is a God in Judaism. And God is involved. He cares. He cares about you and he cares about your actions. And he gave us clear instructions. And yes, there is a people, a Jewish people, that he gave responsibilities to specifically to bring blessings to all the families on the face of the earth. And it's a privilege to be one. And there is an afterlife. And our soul does live on for eternity. And no, the Messiah is not a Christian term. It's a Jewish term. It's a Jewish belief. They borrowed it from us, but soon, very soon, they'll have to give it back to us. It's up to us to bring the Messiah. Our actions help hasten the coming of the Messiah, and so on and so forth. You can imagine the amount of questions this girl had. It was an eye-opening experience for her. The idea that God cares about what I eat. I remember this part of the conversation. When we talk about kosher, Jew to Jew, the Jew generally feels like, why does God have to bother me so much and much of me? I can't eat this. I can only eat that. Let me eat what I want, right? That's, that's the initial reaction, especially someone that wasn't raised kosher. She took it this way. God cares about every meal I have. God cares about what's on my plate. God has such a relationship with me that everything that I consume, that I eat, he cares about. It wasn't an imposition for her. It was, wow, God is actively involved in my life. What I do matters. What I do is significant. At the end of this long session, she says this, can I come back to my Jewish roots? And before I had a chance to answer Hope's question, her husband, who's been sitting there quietly the entire time, speaks up and says, and I would be interested in attending classes on Judaism together with my wife. 
We're going to do this together as a team. I connected them with Chabad in Orange County, and they began attending classes there. After two months, the cancer returned, and Hope passed away just a few weeks later. And I believe, I've always maintained this belief, that Hope died a complete and holy Jew, a pure soul that was lost in the darkness, that was lost in the cold, and was able in her final moments of life to find her way back home, to feel the warmth, to experience the real passion. When we remove the warmth and passion from Judaism, we don't make it more appealing. You may think it does, but it doesn't work. It definitely doesn't become more enduring. The notion that if we take away this mitzvah and that mitzvah and this ritual, it'll become more palatable. It'll sell better. It's a farce. It's fallacy. It doesn't work. There is a Torah. It's God's instruction booklet for how we're to lead our lives. And it works best. It functions best when it's left in its original position. And we strive to reach it with passion and with vibrancy. A cold Judaism doesn't inspire. A diet Judaism doesn't sell because it's not the real thing. Enjoyed this story? Come again. Bring a friend. Stories to inspire.org.